0: So Gary forewarning, that there are people power washing the house next door to me. Well can't hear it, can you?
1: No, I can't hear it. No, no I can
2: hear it. Let's just I've put all baby- of our disclaimers on the table. George has a a kitten. Jess is out of town. The cat's gonna disconnect us at any point. Teresa <laughs> has a power washer. I have two kids probably twenty feet away behind a closed door. What's what's your issue on your end, guys?
3: Uh, I think right now we're issue three at the moment. You're good? Unless the, okay. <laughs> yeah. Unless, the cat wakes up. Unless the cat wakes up and starts moaning, but you'll hear that.
2: <laughs> we're Do
3: a our
0: best over here. <laughs> thank, God, thank God for mute buttons. So if you, like, awkwardly ask a question to me and I don't reply, I'm probably coordinating something over here. <laughs>
2: okay. Cool. All right. Here we go. Three, two, one. Hey toy family, welcome to the Ham-Handed Toy Blab spectacular and sideshow. I'm Gary Ham.
0: What was that? I'm was Teresa Hawking.
2: I'm George Gaspar.
0: Gary, what the heck?
2: Why don't you introduce hey, you yourself it. first, Teresa?
0: <laughs> I did.
2: Oh, did you? My bad. She said it.
0: <laughs> I said, "What was that? I'm Teresa Hawking."
2: Oh my gosh off to a great start off to a great start
0: (laughs) i'm theresa hawkins there you go on our
2: facebook group today this morning actually i propose if we weren't called the marshham toy hour what will we call our podcast and andrew bell threw out there we should be called the ham handed toy blab spectacular and (laughs) sideshow that's absurd love it it's a tongue twister it is. Teresa, you showed but, up one minute late today. I'm proud of you. That's much better than your usual. That's good. Oh, shush. We're oh, making well, progress. Oh, well, if we're going to do
0: that, mister, we've been planning this one for over a month, and you text us yesterday and say, hey, the boys want me to do something tomorrow morning. What was our record? Oh, smack in the middle of the thing you wanted to go do.
2: But so, I, But I adjusted, and me. here I am.
0: And I... I actually was on time. It's just, I just got another dog, and I had to go finalize paperwork this morning, and I could only do it right before, and it just took a little longer than I thought. But I made it!
2: You did. I almost didn't make it. Here's my story. I sat down to record, but I realized that I took my headphones upstairs while I watched TV. So I run upstairs to get the headphones, and as I'm running up the stairs, there's a giant spider on the wall. And by giant, it's not tarantula size. It's probably Mike half inch big. But to me, that's terrifying. I hate spiders and mood I'm sorry. I know you guys are nature lovers. You probably don't like the idea of killing spiders, but I had to I kill don't this.
4: Fan, don't worry. Oh no. Spiders are free reign. Do what you okay. want with
2: us. Well, since, since we've moved to Washington, I've learned this is the land of the spiders. There's, they're everywhere, but unlike Phoenix, Arizona, the spiders here aren't here to kill you. So I've let them have free roam outside the house. But inside the house, they got to go. I hate killing the spiders, so I'm doing the thing with the fly swatter. I'm trying to get my arm extended with the additional two feet of the fly swatter and get that thing off the wall. The kids are watching. The wife is filming. It was a spectacle. (laughs) But I got the little bastard, and he's down in the toilet.
0: You're worse than me. I'm not even that bad.
2: Oh, man. And I tried to man up for the boys. I did. I did not want them to see their father in this precarious situation. But I can't help it. I hate spiders and cockroaches and any other little creepy insect.
0: Oh, centipedes with all those legs, creepy crawling around.
2: Mm. All of them. Anyways, we got some guests today. You might have already kind of heard them in the background. But joining us today, if Mother Nature collected toys, she'd for sure be a huge fan of today's guests. So joining us today is the nature-loving creator of whimsical things, the Moojus. Welcome. Hey! Hey.
4: Thanks for the great introduction. Yeah, thanks for the
2: invite to come on the show, guys. Do you want us to call you the Moojus, or should we call you each by your first name?
4: Well, both. We're the Moojus, but I'm Katie. I'm Dave. So, whatever you like.
3: Whatever you like,
0: yeah. yeah. I noticed, I know, so your your accounts and everywhere you write about yourselves, you always refer to yourselves as Mr. and Miss Muju. And I always wondered if you just didn't, I know that's like your name as an artist, but I was like, you know, you never call each other by your actual name. So, we can call you the Mujis. Yeah. Most people do call us the Mujis.
3: Yeah, pretty much everyone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so now, we... Mujis is your actual last name, right? No.
3: No, no, it's not. Oh, no. it's not? That's to hide our, our true identity. So.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that.
3: Yeah, yeah. No, Muju, Muju was just one of those things that came out of the blue, like, many years ago and uh, just stuck. And then everyone started calling us the Muju, so I became Mr. Muju. So, yeah.
2: You can't just say that. There's got to be some sort of backstory here.
4: Well. Yeah, go on, Dave. I don't know. <laughs> he was already Muju when I met him, so. Yeah,
3: yeah so I, I started doing t-shirts and painting on the street and stuff like that under the name Muju maybe 18 years ago something like that so I was already doing that on my own and then when I met Kate very quickly we started working together and I think we set up the Muju world website didn't we pretty quickly
4: yeah
3: um got our first website up and then yeah that was probably 16 years ago something
4: yeah. like that yeah all the days just started calling me Miss Muji or Mrs. Muji just because, like, I was making some little Muji plush toys for him. So the name kind of stuck.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cause you know, I knew you did fabric stuff, but it was that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely.
4: Probably like 2004, maybe, was when we first started working together. And for, like, years, it was, it was just plush stuff. And, um, yeah, I didn't really even know there was, like, a scene for plush toys or anything. It was just, like, a fun way of reinterpreting Dave's characters into 3D. I liked sewing, so I made these little toys out of denim or all sorts of fabrics before moving into felt. And um, not long after that, someone introduced us online to Buana Spoons. Don't know if you know, you must know Buana's stuff. Sure. So, yeah. And yeah, he really loved it and invited us to be part of Plush Catastrophe Show in LA. And that was kind of the start of it, realizing there was actually a plush scene and that there are artists in America and internationally doing this. And yeah, that really gave me confidence to keep going with it. But yeah, it was a, it was a lot of years of working in fabric and felt before I ever touched any sculpey or do anything more
2: 3D. See, I didn't know any of that. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you if you dig way, like if you want to do an Instagram stalk, Gary, and like dig deep, deep, deep in their feeds, you can see some plush stuff. And I know at one point, you know, you do like a really big sculpture, like a felt sculpture of a character. Yeah, I did,
4: like, uh, that's probably the biggest sculpture I've ever made. It was, um, I don't know how big it was, maybe three-foot or something. Yeah. Made yeah. out of felt. That was for a show at Giant Robot. There was three felt artists. It was me and Snags, who's in Seattle, and Monio Mono from Tokyo. And we all sent a load of felt stuff. So I wanted to make one really big piece to go over there. So that was what that was for.
0: It was really cool. It was one of your... Um... It's a character that you've now done a sculpt for, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. So that was kind of on the
4: cusp before I moved into doing sculpting and resin was just before that. So it was kind of like 2009, 2010 time, I guess, when I did that big felt piece. So when I, then when I started sculpting in Sculpey, I kind of was inspired by the most recent felt stuff that I'd done, and I tried to recreate that. So sort of Mandala Spirit was one of my first resin pieces and that was based off of that huge felt guy.
0: Now do you both do Muju full time? Yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: And you yeah. have a studio, right? Like a studio open studio space in, is it Cornwall?
3: Yeah, that's right. We're we're in the very very far southwest of the UK in Cornwall and uh, there's a a town here called St Ives which has quite a, a strong art heritage it was quite a a big scene in the 50s and 60s for artists Um, and uh, yeah we've got an open studio in a little complex like a little courtyard of other makers and creatives yeah it's great we've had it for 10 years and it's open to the public so in the summer we get a lot of walk-ins random tourists coming asking us what the hell we're doing and you know but yeah it's good it's good it means that we've been like chatting to the public and talking about our work and showing our work for a long time so
0: yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where I'm just like, man, there's just not a lot of that around shops really these days for anything in our scene. So it's cool that you've got something that people can pop into.
3: Yeah, it's great.
0: Have you all always been doing art? I know, so you said you used to do T-shirt and painting on the streets?
3: Yeah, I was I at a lot of graffiti buddies. And um, so, yeah, I enjoyed painting big walls and uh, stuff like that in the distant past It's always into photography as well so yeah photography has always been like a passion and a sort of uh something like doing the background a bit as well but for the last 10 years straight it's been pretty much full-time muji world hasn't it yeah
2: have you ever yeah. thought about painting walls again in the muji world style
3: oh absolutely absolutely it'll, it'll happen again when when i get the right opportunity <laughs> painting big is so much fun but uh, where we are in Cornwall, it's just lots of beautiful beaches, little fishing villages. You know, when I used to live in the city, that was more of a kind of uh, thing I was doing back then. But now we're down here in the in the sort of countryside by the sea. By the sea, it's uh, yeah, yeah.
4: You need an urban environment really to be a
3: street artist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. access to bigger walls and, yeah. and that kind of thing. So yeah, maybe I one guess,
0: day. Yeah, but I mean, where you all live? Oh my gosh, I get jealous of all your ocean views and oh it's so so pretty out there
4: sorry we just have to share it you know just just oh it. no
0: share away it's so <laughs> peaceful when you share like the videos of like the waves crashing I just close my eyes I'm like ah <laughs> <to be>
2: that's <laughs> during the summertime though wait till it's the winter time and they're all holed up in their homes for a few months
4: yeah.
3: oh absolutely man yeah, we hide away. <laughs> the
4: winter storm pretty fierce we don't we, we stay indoors
3: yeah november it's pretty much hibernation time isn't
4: it yeah and if it makes you feel better Teresa, the water is actually freezing it looks tropical but it's so cold so it's not perfect
2: now i'm trying to listen to talk to you all but i'm also envisioning george wrestling with a kitten on his side of the end george how you doing
1: Oh no, I'm okay. I'm just You're listening good? so far. Okay. Yeah. And I got I brought an extra chair out for the cat to try and like distract him from sitting over here with me and it's working so far.
0: <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh, you have a chair for your cat. That's great. Now the the thing I guess we haven't really clarified so far to those listening is and I think we've touched on it a little bit, but I know you all kind of split work. So I know for you, Mr. I'm going to call you Muju, Mr. Muju, you focus more on 2D, so you do sketches and painting and drawing, and then now you're on the 3D side, Mr. Muju, doing kind of the sculpts. And it seems like it almost sounds like it's a collaborative thing where a lot of what you sculpt is ideas that he has come up with. Is that correct?
4: Um yes and no I'd say. Um you've got it right like Mr. Smurfy draws the whole world and um it is a collaboration but there's never like I never take a specific character that he's drawn and try and like realize that exactly in sculpture I guess I'll just get inspiration from loads of different elements of the characters that he's drawing. He never sort of says to me, "Oh, could you make this one next?" or I think we work really well together because neither of us tell the other one what to do. And we're both like really stoked on what the other one makes. So we really encourage each other. But there's never, a, he never draws, sketches out a character for me as a plan to follow. I just sort of do my own thing using inspiration from loads of his drawings, I guess.
1: Oh, that must yes. be nice not to have to like go through revisions. Like, no, you got to do the arm a little more like this. Like,
2: <laughs> oh, that would never work. <laughs> it's, it sounds way too blissful though, George. It can't be all rainbows here, right? No, it is.
1: It
3: is. <laughs> well, I mean, we definitely rely on feedback from each other, but I think you know I don't sculpt at all, but I do get involved in all the production side of stuff. So resin casting, sanding, priming, painting, all that kind of side of stuff, I'll do as well. Yeah, we
4: both do that.
3: Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, you know, Kate's like eye for detail with with sculpting is is well, I, I've got a lot of respect for it and. Um, I love detail in my drawings and paintings. So I think we, we kind of trust each other to um, to follow the right Muji vibe, you know? Like there's never any argument about, oh, you can't do that or you can't do this. It's always.
4: I think Dave quite often does say, try and do something like a little bit simpler next time. <laughs> like, don't make it quite so hard on yourself. You know, that's- all on us. Or, or on us, yeah, yeah. That's his advice. And then I go, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, I'll do it simpler. And then I then I make something, and he's like, how is that going to work? And I'm like, I don't know, I'll work it out. So, you know, uh, he never stops me, but he's always a bit more cautious, like, does it really need to be that intricate and difficult to mold? And I'm always like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: it does. I mean, that's something we've talked about. I, I think we've even talked about it on this, on this show or on previous shows I've been on is when I get the stuff you guys have made, and I look at that. I just I don't even understand how some of it's molded, let alone cast again. You guys have spirals and shapes that are just I don't even I don't even understand what you're doing. Some of the, like some of this stuff is like, okay, that's great to sculpt that once. Now to give it to someone to mold and ask them to repeat it, it's crazy. So I can see where he's coming from. Okay.
4: Part of that is I don't have any sculpting, mold making training at all, so I don't really know what I'm doing. But then I don't know what I can't do. Do you know what I mean? Like
1: yeah, well the stuff just, you're it, doing shouldn't be done. Yeah,
4: <laughs> but I, don't do it. Just, it, I don't know that, so I just kind of think oh, I'm sure that people can do this, and then um, I just kind of work out how to do it, and yeah. then, then give it a go. And because I don't realise that it shouldn't be possible, I guess that makes it easier to work around it
3: but it is nerve-wracking though when when we try to first mold because Kate sculpts in Sculpey and obviously you've seen a lot of the pieces you know they're pretty fragile so they rarely survive the mold process mm-hmm. so it is a all or nothing gamble a lot of the time like the Forest Temple sculpture that Kate did a few years couple of years back was it I mean, that was an incredible piece. I kept going into a studio watching her sculpt it and I was just like, that is amazing, but how are we going to mold it? And I knew that we'd only have one shot at getting it right. So that was, that was super nerve wracking, but we got lucky and it worked. So trial and error, you know, give it a go.
2: George, would you be up for that kind of pressure in a relationship? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, I'll
2: tell you the things that she's
1: sculpting like those that the one I'm specific of referencing is that little owl with the tea light yeah. inside and mm-hmm. he's got he's got literal literal spirals that come up the top of his head and I don't even I still don't understand how you molded it I don't I can't mold that I don't know how you molded that it's crazy it's like I a, do
0: mold it
4: I um, <laughs> made some um, I think it's called a skin mold but I didn't know they existed at the time And um, I just sort of had the original and then made a a clay surround, poured a load of silicone on top that's set, and then kind of cut away the silicone to get it as thin as possible next to the owl. So I've kind of got a skin layer completely covering it, um, and then made an outer mould to hold that rigid when the resin's setting. So you just take the outer mould off and then peel back the skin layer so that's pretty much it, but um, it is tricky getting those spiral bits out. And I think partly it's a bit easier because I work in bioresin, which has a really long cure time. So I have to get the owl out the mold when it's not quite set, but it's nearly set. So it's just got a little bit of uh, give in it so they can stretch out a little bit and then bounce back into shape when I get it out the mold. Wow. So. Oh. Uh-huh. aha <laughs> that's the secret but they don't all survive they don't all make it
2: <laughs> newbie question what's bioresin
4: bioresin it's just like resin but it's uh, so it's still a two part resin mix but the uh, base of the resin is sunflower seed oil based rather than being petroleum so it's eco-friendly mm-hmm. um it's a lot less toxic to use and uh, yeah and it's i get it in clear I um, source it from, like, the manufacturers in Switzerland. is the only place in Europe you can get it at the moment. And, uh, yeah, it's just same kind of thing, but it has just, like, a really long set time. Like, in the temperature that we're at, because it's very temperature sensitive, it takes about 12 hours to set, so I do, like, overnight casts.
1: Um,
4: wow. Yeah. But so. So that
1: means you can only do one a day, one casting a day?
4: <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. No, know. <laughs> That's the tough part about it. I have to make, you know, a few molds of the character if I want to have – more than one cast a day so i can't ever do major production line at home because i really want to keep working with bioresin because it's it's more eco-friendly it's not toxic for me to use that sits well with us because being nature lovers uh, try and use as nicer materials as possible with our artwork
0: you said it's clear so all your pieces are are clear when they come out of the mold yeah, well, yeah, I mix in a
4: dye for the ones that I know I'm going to paint, so I mix in, like, quite a thick black dye into the clear resin, so that when it comes out of the mold, it's, it's dark. yeah, it's opaque, dark, and I start from that point.
0: Oh, okay, so, like, yeah. so all the, like, glitter ones you've done, because I know you've done some clear ones, that's the straight-up resin with just stuff mixed in.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. totally, yeah. Ah,
0: yeah. oh, okay, now, I, I wanna keep talking on this, but I gotta go back to this skin thing. Do you all know what the heck the skin stuff she was talking about?
1: Yeah, most, basically she's just saying it's a, a thin layer, like a skin around the mold, like around the sculpture. So it's like a thin like picture instead of like a block mold, it's like a thin layer of the silicone surrounding it. And then there's a matrix mold outside of it holding that together. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so you So you take your Sculpey and you've baked it or whatever, you hardened it, and then what do you set it in to put the skin on it?
4: I guess the way I'm doing it, and I'm just kind of making up a method. I think like when you're doing, I don't know, George would know, when you're doing skin molds, I think people quite often will paint on a layer of silicone, build up like a few layers of silicone and with a brush over their piece so it's really thin. But um, I just make a kind of clay surround around my Sculpey piece. And then I pour silicon into that, so I've kind of created a wall of silicon around my character. And um, okay. I'll take the clay away, and then I'll just start carving the silicon back to make it as thin, thin as possible with just a scalpel or something. I'll just sort of slice bits away, just making it a bit skinnier. It's kind of a very rough way of doing that, but I found like brushing silicon on doesn't really work for me with all the detail of, of my characters. I can't brush it on quick enough. I get air bubbles in it, so. This is kind of the way around it, I've worked out.
0: I'm following now, I'm picturing this. So after okay. you've done your silicone skin, you've carved it down, do you then yeah. remove the Sculpey piece out of it?
4: No, no, because you want to keep it, it the right shape and, and still rigid with the original inside the skin when you're making okay. the outer outer mold out of whatever you might want to make it out of. I tend to use silicone. So then I'll make okay. like, a box, Pour more silicone in on top. And then that's that's kind of like my box of silicon that's going to hold the shape. Then I'll, once that's all set, then I take both bits of silicon off the, the box out a bit and the skin. And, and that's the point where usually the Sculpey breaks. original will just break.
0: <laughs> okay. I, so, so your mold is really two layers of mold merged together to create. Yeah. Okay. I'm getting it now. See, I just needed a minute to process all that in my head.
1: Yeah. And, and actually anyone else that's listening, if you want to go, if you want to check out an Instagram, that's heavy mold making stuff, um, tips and tricks and things like that. There's a guy in the special effects industry named Rob Freitas, who's a, a master mold maker. And he has, he goes by Freight Train Mold Maker on uh, Instagram. And if you follow him, he posts a lot of cool, you know, mold making tips for like they're normally for bigger things, but you can always apply that kind of stuff to this.
4: I'm definitely going to check that out because I just make stuff up. I'd really love to, like, get some more tips on mold making. I'll basically do anything with mold making to try and minimize having any seam lines because I hate cleaning up seam lines on resin. Try and have these one-piece molds just to avoid the cleanup, basically.
2: And Teresa hates Yay. seeing seam lines on figures, so.
4: There you go. <laughs> uh, you know,
0: and that's the thing. Like, the fact that I know – like you might be getting picked on for all your details, but that's my favorite thing about all your work is it is so incredibly intricate. All of the, like the little leaves and the swirlies that George is mentioning. And the fact that you do these teeny tiny things that still have so much detail packed in them, that it's so awesome to look and dig into your detail. And so the fact that you found a way to keep that and mold it and Wait, so you're saying everything you do is a single one-piece mold?
4: Not everything, but the more recent stuff that I've done, like the the Cosmic Owl that George was talking about, the Big Forest Temple and the little spirit houses, things like that, I try now to create things where I can have the one-piece mold. Um, Older stuff that I've done in the past, like the Tree Spirit, um, which I've been running for a few years, and some of the Guardian characters, they're two-piece molds. With seam lines that need cleaning up
0: uh, Well, i can i ask one more small thing because i'm just getting nerdy for a second the the forest temples you did the tall ones yeah. yeah with the like detail at the top where you've got like the little owl and like the cat on the perch yeah mm-hmm. you you molded those right yeah is that all built into that mold or did you have to like mold the cat on its own and then add it on
4: no, no, it's all a one-piece mold. That's, um, that
0: is a tricky one to get out. I
2: don't know how you do it. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> now, being nature lovers yourselves, do you ever see yourselves going outside of bioresin and maybe if someone was interested in mass-producing and say, a, you know, a, a petroleum-based vinyl product, would you be interested in that or would you find another way around it to be more environmental um, aware? Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been our concern for, for years, you know, to try and, you know, make our product as eco-friendly and as sustainable and non-toxic for ourselves as possible. But definitely in recent years, we've come up against a kind of limit to how much we can produce ourselves yep. and up doing like Decon for the first time a couple of years ago, um, having a great time meeting people and getting a great response uh, we started to think like, oh, you know, it would be nice if we could maybe work with somebody in the future to to scale up what we can offer people. Uh, because we end up working, like most artists who are independent and full time, you end up working crazy hours. So we're a bit like maxed out in the amount of hours that we can actually do and how much we can produce mm-hmm. so um, yeah we can't really go into details but w- we are in talks with a company at the moment so hopefully next year there might be some news on that okay on that.
0: Ooh, i'm excited
2: That is yeah.
3: exciting. Mm, so, yeah. yeah can't go into details but um we're super excited um and we've spent a lot of years waiting to work with what we feel would be like the right people to do uh, a really good quality job so um, yeah. yeah, more details to come next year, hopefully.
2: Well, congratulations well, got- with working with Unbox. <laughs> <laughs> we can't say it. No, about, I know, I know.
4: <laughs> but, but yeah, we'll be planting a lot of trees as well to try and balance out
2: <laughs> the nature
4: vibe because it's definitely something that we're concerned about.
2: <laughs> we do have to be aware of our carbon footprint. We do. Yeah, Absolutely. We should
0: be better because as a scene, we probably are, I look around my house at all the vinyl sitting here now I'm kind of judging myself
3: (laughs) I think the thing is is like most stuff is just limited and collected by artists or collected by fans and, and people who really value and treasure the things they collect so you know I think when it's art pieces and things that people really love I think that's kind of positive um hopefully in the future you know as technology kind of moves on and evolves. I'm sure there'll be some really cool, sustainable materials that artists will be able to use. I'm sure it's just a matter of time for the um, tech to catch up on on that kind of thing.
2: No, but it's great that you're aware and you're wanting to be proactive in this sort of area. Because when I think about this entire scene, the two people that I think of that are environmentally aware are yourselves and then probably uh, Nafrin. They always seem to be wanting to work in sustainable woods and that sort of stuff, rubber plant and all that sort of stuff. So that's awesome that you guys are you know, trying to make the world a better place.
4: Yeah, and to be fair, Gary, you do a lot of stuff in wood as well. I know you've got some production pieces, but you're primarily a wood
2: guy, right? Primarily, but someone wants to make stuff from vinyl i'm not going to fight them on it i'll be like, go for yeah. it
1: have a yeah, hair hates the environment he puts us he puts a straw in with every toy he sells
2: i try to burn that I, yeah i burn three trees before i actually worked with the wood <laughs> oh man yeah well we
4: is- also, like we love vinyl toys i mean i'm looking around our house at the moment we have got a lot we did run a shop for two years selling vinyl toys so we you know we are uh,
2: fans of the yeah we're super the production toy as well yeah george is there an option for vinyl in regards to this area
1: no no (laughs) nothing nothing that i know about that could really do anything i mean your biggest uh like environmental savings would all be like around the packaging you choose yeah
2: yeah sure is bio resin an option for 3d printing as well I think you can get some bioplastics now, can you? I
3: know that you can. There are some really cool 3D printing materials out there which are super sustainable, but I don't know enough about what kind of quality of product that, that they produce. You know, I don't know enough about it um, in detail the whole 3D printing world, but I do know that there are some cool materials out there.
0: And Wait, you mentioned you had a store for two years? Yeah, yeah, we had a store.
4: in When we lived in Brighton, we had a store called Toy Life. And it was totally like all designer vinyl toys. Well, this was back 2007 to
3: 2009. It was quite an exciting time to be into stuff. We basically set up the store and we just wanted to... We ordered mostly direct from artists for the first year or so, wasn't it? Yeah. We stopped people like... Uh, we had Mars One's first run of minifigures. I'm a big Mars One fan. We had a lot of Pete Fowler stuff, James Jarvis
4: um it was like the you know the vinyl heyday of strange co yeah, and, strange and toy 2r to and kid robot and all that back in the day gary <laughs> there you <go>. that was <laughs> back in the day uh yeah that we that was what we uh we were doing for a few years yeah and that definitely like um i was still making mujis in felt at that time um but we did sell our stuff in store as well mm-hmm. and we were kind of concentrating on getting toys in that were designed by artists and we'd also get prints from the artists that had designed the toy and trying, and, trying and to show like both art and toy together, together. Mm-hmm. was kind of our vibe back then. But yeah, we had a lot of fun and ended up with a lot of toys.
0: <laughs> well, but you have brought some of the fabric aspects back into the toy thing. Cause I know you've been making little bags and accessories.
4: Yeah. I've been really enjoying that. I just started doing that, I guess in the last year, just, I still love sewing, and I still love working with felt, but actually making individual one-off felt pieces like I used to is just too time-consuming. So yeah. making like little accessories and stuff, really, I just do it for me. I just enjoy it. I, love it. I think it brings in characters to life a bit more if you've got some different textures in there. So, yeah, I'm going to keep doing that.
0: Good, because I was going to say, I really like it. I know you've done little kind of like cross-body satchels. You've done capes and... I think it's a fun little addition. I'm always a fan of accessories. Me too. Um, yeah. And they're just, they're so well done. And yeah. So please, please keep doing it. They're awesome.
4: I oh, will. Don't worry. I think that's like when I was a kid and you got toys. Like I've I kind of always loved the tiny accessories more than the toy. So
2: I'm just trying to bring that into what we do, really, just because I like it. And when you guys talk about your store toy life that you had and going to conventions, you're also doing Kickstarter, and you've done yeah. several Kickstarters already now, right? Three or four, or more. Yeah, I think, uh, I think like five or six now over the years.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, yeah, I've got to say thanks, Teresa and George, for backing the one that's running currently. That's super awesome. We super appreciate it. But yeah, Kickstarter has been a really good platform for us, hasn't it?
4: Definitely, it really Kickstarter really helps you to be. An independent full-time artist because I think that's just a great way for us to be able to like launch a new sculpture or a new project and get people behind helping us to make it happen
0: and I think that's actually how I first found out about you or first I know it's how I got my first Muji piece because oh, cool. your very first Kickstarter was the tree spirit one right yeah, yeah and so that's the character that's like a so you know it's a tree spirit but he's got his hand out and hold like acorns or mushrooms or whatever but you did that very first one and that was my very first tree spirit I think that's how I started following on getting into all your stuff so it definitely works as far as pulling people in and letting people know about your stuff if they're not familiar yet
4: yeah that's definitely like one of our most popular kickstarters that we've done the tree spirit one that went really well and whenever we do a kickstarter you always get new fans from through kickstarter or it gets shared around more and so yeah it's a really great way for us to reach new people that maybe not part of the toy scene yet but kind of bring them in so yeah it's going
2: really well so we're really happy to be running our latest kickstarter you got a current one going on don't you yeah yeah that's
3: right Yeah, it's called it's the the Magic Seeds comic book Kickstarter. So, it's uh, I've been working on an idea for a Muji World comic book for a couple of years. Nice. Uh, It's sort of in my sort of downtime from all the Muji World stuff we've been doing. I've just been slowly chipping away at the story and uh, storyboarding everything out, working on the artwork, and um, yeah, we're finally launched about a week ago, and we've already made our funding goal. In fact, we've gone quite a way past it now. So. Yes.
4: Yeah, thanks, man.
3: Yeah, and um, yeah, so there were also some really cool sculpture tie-in rewards as well. So we had our little Daydreamer character available if you ordered the book. And also we had a free, an edition of free Muju Sea collector sculptures, which is like one of the biggest resin figures that Kate's done so far, which is pretty complex. So yeah, we kind of had, where it was a fundraiser for the book, we uh, had a few limited sculpture rewards available.
4: Still have a few. Still have a few yeah. left,
3: yeah. So so yeah, there's still still some rewards available if anyone's interested in checking it out.
0: Gary, you remember you remember when we talked about there was a prototype of the daydreamer at Decon last yep. year? Yep. So they had done one release online that sold out and I hadn't had a chance to get it yet. And the one they have with the Kickstarter is in the the colorway of the one that's been their little travel buddy and that they had at Decon. So that's why i backed. I had to get it. It's so cute. It's the one sitting back on it, kind of like sitting down, hands behind, looking at the sky, smiling. It's a daydreamer.
2: Yeah, the one you've been waiting for for about two years. It seems like right,
0: <laughs> oh, in a year or so, and I gotta wait because I know they gotta make them, but it'll be so worth it. And this the seed collector is fantastic. as well. I mean, all of the the leaf detailing and the little bird perched on his head and the staff and the the additional fabric accessories. It's it's such, such good stuff.
2: Y'all better hurry up, because I don't know if you've been listening to the program, but Teresa's got one foot out the door already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: but she already pledged, so it's
4: okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's already got her Daydreamer, so don't worry, it's fine. Um, yeah, it has been about a year. I've been waiting to... I've been holding the Daydreamer back because I wanted to bring it out um, sort of as a pre-order with the book Kickstarter, so it's just taking a little longer. But yeah, actually, I remember Teresa seeing... The little daydreamer on our booth at Decon, and, and I was saying, oh, we're going to have a Kickstarter edition. And I remember you saying, oh, I hope it's in that color because I really like it just like that, and that was sort of stayed with me. So when I was like, oh, maybe I should do a different color, and I was like, no, no. Teresa's happy with it like that. Just go with that colorway.
2: <laughs> and I Woo-hoo! like how you make Teresa sound like she was all calm talking. I've seen Teresa at these conventions, especially at your booth. She's a little more hyperactive. Her voice yeah, is a quite- little more <laughs> high-pitched.
0: I know. I get excited. I go, "Oh my God, that's so here! Please make that, keep that the same." You, that stuck with you. And you kept it because it really is. It's just I love, I love that colorway. It's so good.
4: <laughs> and Dave was like, "You could do a simpler colorway because we are gonna have to make a few. You know, you don't have to do so many colors on one time." I always character. say that.
3: I always
0: say that. Oh like, yeah, but it looks good. <laughs> it looks so good. Now, the so that that character has this staff to it. And yeah. on top of this staff is this like glass dome encasing like a little mushroom house on a hill. Now, yeah. how so I assume the staff itself is molded and casted, but what about the little dome aspect? So, the how only did you this together?
4: yeah, the only bit that we don't make is the glass dome, and that's just something that you can order online. It's part of like things people use with jewelry, I think. Just came across it one day and thought, ah, oh, that'd be cool. That'd be a cool little globe to use on a staff. Um, but yeah, other than that, the the staff is cast on its own. And then the little uh, sort of hill with the mushroom house on top is another separate mold. And, and then I put those pieces together and paint them and then put the glass dome on top.
0: So it comes pre, like you found a piece that is a dome with an open spot at the bottom of it. Exactly that, yeah. Oh, cool. See, I need to get more creative and get up because I know people find all sorts of different things that are not intended necessarily to be put on a scope or made like, I think when we talked to silly, right, uh, uh, Gary, she found like these little metal balls, so that she'd have to scope all the little circles and just put those in. So it's always cool to hear about stuff people find out there that can be incorporated into a toy. Yeah, I'm trying to get better at that, just to see, you know,
4: time-saving and things like that. That's the first character where I've used something that I've been able to buy and use. And then also the staff that he holds is actually just, I got a stick from the gardener and I cast. I was going to try and sculpt something that looked like a wooden stick staff. And then I thought, hang on a minute, I seem to remember, like, George always saying, like, you know, you can take a shortcut, you can just get the real thing so i like, just went hunting for the right stick in the garden and molded that so that's oh cool good job george
1: thanks i wish i could take any credit for the amazingness that they are
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just
4: george had done this little character this top, one of his little mini figures um i saw it at decon and it's i think it was made from one of those like is it Romanesque? it's like you know fractal cauliflower and I was just like I don't know how the hell did you sculpt that that's so insanely detailed and he was like I didn't I just took a mold <laughs> from a cauliflower <laughs> and it was like a real like moment of like ah, oh, why didn't I ever think of doing that It's <laughs> brilliant
0: Fine. well and you got the the, the little sea collector has a little like a uh, jar too is that little yeah. jar you found
4: yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. jar The little jars you can get on eBay or anywhere. They're Again, they're like little jewelry charm jars, I think. Put mini jars into eBay, I think, and you just get so many. Oh,
0: so cool. Now, now we're, okay. we're, not, we're
2: not getting out of the the Kickstarter talk that easily. George, you're no, a No, but
0: real quick, real quick. Well, we're on seed collector, Gary. Sorry. But you were talking about single molds for most of your stuff. You're telling me... This seed collector, with that little bird and all of that, minus the staff, that was one mold?
4: No. No. Not with that guy. (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. I'd say the seed
4: collector is probably like six molds. The body, I mean, they are still using that technique of having like a skin mold on some of it. So the body. trying to reduce the seam lines. The body is separate to the head. That's two molds. And then the sticks that go in his head, that's another mold. And then the bird's is another mold. But, again, they're kind of all one-piece molds for those bits. And then I put it all together.
0: Okay. See, I-, I, feel, I-, I feel a little better. I was like, how the heck do you do that all as one piece? No, that was
1: even-, even the bird, Teresa, look at the bird. He's got three little things coming off his tail, all going in different directions, all spiraling. Insane.
4: That was just <laughs> yeah, so- right? I just did that for Dave because so I knew he'd love that. <laughs> She know so no, well.
0: you're, you're right George because anytime I've ever heard about molding and again I've never done it so you know I just hear things but I know there's always this this conversation about like you're if you're gonna do a one piece you start with a thicker bottom and it kind of tapers up right so you want it to be easy to pull out and if you have anything that hooks or whatever it's gonna get stuck or break off or not fill or get bubbles or whatever so yeah like I even though you've said you do this skin thing and whatever I, so it's really just that the bio resin is that flexible that you can kind of wiggle it out of there and not break it. Yeah. Just before it sets,
4: you've got a, You've got kind of a, a good window mm. where you can. And I've I sort of like, a, if, it, if I've let it set for too long, then I can take a hairdryer to the mold for like a couple of seconds of heat. And then because it's so thin, those pieces, they can just, slight, just soften them up slightly like. soften they haven't fully cured and then you can get it out it's not easy but it's worth it
0: see i almost wonder why more people don't switch to bioresin for i mean there's the environmental piece but that sounds like a really solid benefit the fact that you all can add more intricate details and be able to pop it out of a mold
4: yeah i think i mean there's there's quite a lot of negative sides to bioresin i get a lot of people asking me about it I I always give out all the tips I can think of for using it and where I get it from. But it's tricky because it takes so long to set and uh, you need to... It bubbles up a lot more than normal resin. It sort of heats up when it's setting more and you get, like, tons of air bubbles. So you have to degas the resin and then pressure cast it. Um, So you need extra equipment and it is more expensive and it's very temperature sensitive. There's lots of factors that make it hard to work with and make it not necessarily financially viable for some people, I guess. Um, But I think the other factors do outweigh it, and I do like the, the flexibility that I can get out of it and the fact that you can get really great clear resin casts with it because I know working with normal clear resin is really toxic and lots of artists I've spoken to have had really bad reactions to that resin. On a health tip, it's loads better for you and the environment.
0: Okay, Gary, I'm sorry to cut you off. We call Kickstarter.
2: Come on, I'm old. I can't be expected to remember what I was going to say five minutes ago.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. You were going to ask George something. You said, we can't let you drop Kickstarter stuff. That's there right. You
2: George, you're a Kickstarter professional. If you had to give a Yelp review to the Moojus for their past <laughs> six to eight Kickstarters, how have they been performing?
1: Uh, I, everyone I've backed has always been delivered and delivered on time. It's been perfect.
2: Five stars. <laughs>
0: Thank you very much. Well, and I think, I mean, what I like about your Kickstarters is they're focused. Like you have the thing you're launching, you might have a few sculptures, but it's not like you have a million things. You just have the thing you're wanting to Kickstart.
4: Yeah, I think we've learned over the years not to overcomplicate a Kickstarter. Just try and keep it fairly minimal to the thing that you were trying to promote and maybe a few other bits, you know, like a print or sometimes a pin but you know we keep it fairly simple because it's just easier for us as well
3: yeah and I think you've got to have a clear message for kickstarter for people to get behind so just having one clear goal and like you say being really focused on it I think helps it you know be more successful because yeah it's, it's just more obvious what, what we're doing and why why we want support to do it so.
0: Well, and I think, you know, we've we've talked before about some Kickstarters where there's the thing they're trying to Kickstart, but then the, all the other rewards are, like, not related. And it seems like everyone's backing those. And you kind of wonder, like, hmm, like, <laughs> are people here just for these, like, limited things and don't even care about the actual thing being Kickstarted? So it's nice that it's just simple and there and it's the thing you're Kickstarting. It's your stuff. And it's been well. I think every single one of your Kickstarters has launched right has been backed so yeah
4: yeah yeah they've all gone really well it's it's definitely a great platform for independent artists to to launch new figures so i'd
2: really recommend it to
4: anyone who hasn't tried it
2: how important are the videos to kickstarters
4: i don't know i mean for for us we think they're really important but um that's because we love photography and film and we really enjoy kind of getting different shots so it's something that we Think is important to our page, but yeah. I've seen plenty of really popular Kickstarter campaigns that barely have a video, so it probably doesn't matter too much.
1: Okay. I think it depends on the on the kind of Kickstarter you're looking at, too, Gary. Like, if you're just making a pen, like you don't really need a you don't yeah. really need a video about it. Um, but if you're making a movie, you better have a video and it better be good. Yeah,
4: <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> I've seen plenty yeah. of people asking money asking for money to help make their film. And their video is terrible. And it's like, why would I give you money to make a film? You can't even shoot a Kickstarter video.
0: You know, I just think a lot of times for me, I'm not one who kind of peruses Kickstarter. So a lot of times I already kind of know, like, I know you all as artists. I know your stuff. I know I like it. So I just go straight in, you know, look through the rewards, pick and move on. Like, I don't need a video, I guess, to sell it to me. But I know I'm sure it's it's more important for those who are kind of like, oh, what's this? You know, I'm not, I'm not really sure what this is. Let's play the video and check it out. I can see it being useful. It's just for me and how I use Kickstarter. I can't remember the last time I played a Kickstarter video.
1: There's a uh, there's a back end to Kickstarter as you're running one, Teresa. So you can, they can actually see how many people are watching the videos and if they're finishing the videos and things like that. They don't know specifically who is and isn't watching it, but they know the. you could get the ratio of how many people actually look at your page and actually watch the video. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'd be surprised that not many people, it, it's not, it's never as high as you think it would be. Like, mm-hmm. for how important the video is, I think the videos are important. And for how important I think they are, even, like, most people don't even finish the video. Yeah,
4: yeah you're, that's You're that's right, true. George. Yeah. It's amazing how many plays they just, you know, the, the amount of people who watch it and then the amount of completed plays is always about half.
3: Yeah, I think last time I checked, it was about, you know, 50, 60% had watched the video all the right way through, which I thought was pretty good.
1: Actually, yeah, that's, actually, that's actually pretty high, yeah.
4: <laughs> I was like, yeah, win. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah I think like the video can be really helpful if you don't know who we are, I guess. So even though we know people are going to back our Kickstarter that are already following us on social media and they know our stuff, you always feel with the video, you've got to sort of introduce yourselves again, give a bit of little bit of background story because it's most useful for the people that haven't got a clue who you are right. and sort of come across your project through Kickstarter. So
0: Yeah. That's the thing. I, I think it's definitely useful for those that are like, Oh, what? I don't know what this is. What is this? But for me, a lot of times when I'm going there, it's, it's more like you all promoted on your Instagram. So I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll go check it out and I'll go in, I'll look through and I'll I'll pledge and then I move on. So it, it's just different for me. I think. For how i use kickstarter i i don't peruse i feel like george you t- you peruse kickstarter it's like a it's not a platform i just go to and like look around do you do that george it's, like just uh, sit and like kind of scroll through and see what's what
1: no I mean, I mean i have before i don't do it that often but i also follow a lot of people who are creating projects so i'll get updates. you get email updates when someone backs something so I'll look at those like, oh, somebody like so-and-so backed this thing, and I'll go look at it like, oh, is it cool or not? Like, that's how I find a lot of the things I back.
2: I'll bet okay. George knows Kickstarter way more than he does the Toy Saint. Oh, percent 100%. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I'm what they call on
1: Kickstarter a super backer.
2: <laughs> <Uh-oh. Awesome. laughs> Fancy. Fancy. <laughs> you know what? We need some super backers of this podcast. So, the way to show the support is either go to our Facebook group, search Marsham Toy Hour on Facebook and join the group. Answer three simple questions and you're in. Easy as that. If you don't answer the questions, most likely you don't get let in because one, we're going to assume that you're just not a listener or two, we're going to assume that you're a bot. So uh, please answer those questions for us. Otherwise, please visit and support our sponsors. So for all the latest and greatest in designer toys, you can visit three great retailers, strangecattoys.com, myplasticheart.com, and 3dretro.com. If you go to StrangeCatToys.com, be sure to use our promo code Marsham at checkout and you'll receive 10% off your entire order. If you happen to go to MyPlasticHeart.com and live in the States and spend $75 or more, please use our promo code TOYFAM and you'll receive free shipping on that order. And then to stay on top of all the latest and greatest in designer toy news, be sure to like and follow SpankyStokes.com and the toychronicle.com.
0: I know the other thing that you all are really big into is customs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm just curious, you know, between doing your work and custom work, do you have a preference or do you like the variety of being able to sculpt stuff freely on your own in your world, but then also apply it to different platforms?
4: Um, I think I definitely prefer sculpting Muji stuff because that's my favorite thing. And I never seem to have enough time to do that. I always seem to be like production Muji, like casting and painting. And I don't allow myself enough time to sculpt new things. Um, But I do enjoy like the odd custom show and custom piece. In between here and there because it does take me a little bit out of Muji. Not completely out of Muji world but I'm just trying to bring a bit of Muji to someone else's character so it does let me get a little bit more creative so I guess I still I still like both but if I could just do one thing it would be sculpting Muji stuff for sure.
0: And all of the customs is you right? Yeah. Mr. Muji do you ever um, do like do you all ever bounce ideas off each other?
1: Well, sorry, I'm laughing. Mr. Muju just, just sounds so weird to say.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, but I, it's just that's what I'm used to referring <laughs> to the man, the Mujus.
1: <laughs> Mr. Mr. Muju. Um... Muju. <laughs> it sounds
3: formal, doesn't it? Sounds yes. Um, I think sometimes there's a few things, there's a few figures which we picked up, a few pieces which are in, which are on the shelf. Which are on the custom to do list. Yeah, and a couple and a couple of those, I've been like, oh, that would be really cool. But yeah, no, I tend to just let Kate get on with it when it comes to customs and stuff, um, and sculpting. Really, that's that's her department.
0: Do you have a uh, a favorite custom? I know that's a hard question sometimes because you do a lot of them. Um. Yeah.
4: Good question. Uh. I. I suppose probably two i think um i did back in maybe it was january of this year i think maybe was the two petal rose one um i don't know if if you know two petal roses stuff if you don't look him up on instagram he does really amazing intricate samurai stuff and i've loved his work for years always see it at toy con it it always sells out in about 10 minutes um and yeah he had a custom show at woot bear i think that was yeah is that January? Was that last uh, year? Uh,
3: no, it was this year, January. Yeah, so time. I did
4: a, a custom samurai, and I made, a like, a cape for it and a staff with a little spirit house on top. So that was um, – have been wanting to customise one of his figures for a few years at that point. So I'd say that's the one that I wanted to do the most, and I really enjoyed doing that one. And then the other one would be the Jermaine Rogers Darrow Bear, was it? Uh that was um, NYCC uh, last year, because that's what made me make the daydreamer sculpture. Because I was kind of had this bear had these, these hands up in the air, and I was like, "Oh, maybe you could hold a swing, and there could be a Muji character sat on a swing." So that's kind of what, yeah. What and and Dave's been drawing these little Muji characters like sitting down in that pose and chilling out like on ledges or on mushrooms or whatever for quite a long time so it kind of merged those two ideas and like finally got me I'd always wanted to sculpt that little kind of chilling out daydreamer character but doing that custom show actually made it happen so yeah I'm really right for that I
0: remember that I remember that being the first time I saw it because it was like that blue and purple one
4: Yeah, that was the first one. So I made it kind of especially for that piece. But then I knew I was going to continue making the character from then on. So, yeah, those two.
0: Yeah, you know, and that two-petal rose one, that was the katana, right? That's it. Yeah, and that one was really good, too. Now, the staff, I assume, this thing is twisty and turny. That was a one-off staff. You didn't actually try to mold that sucker, did you?
4: I didn't try and mold that one. That uh, That was one I made out of Magic Sculpt.
0: Yeah, and again, you did a really cool job of incorporating fabric with the bag and the cape and all that.
4: Oh, it was so good. Yeah, I really, I really had to. I felt like I had to kind of up my accessory game on that one because uh, Liam Two Pedal Rose, his accessories that he makes all the time for his pieces are just so good. He gets loads of fabrics printed. His details that he adds to all his characters are just yeah, unbelievable. So I, you know, I didn't want to let the side down.
0: So that I'm, I'm now like just going back through your Instagram and being reminded of all your fun work in progress videos where I don't, I still just don't know how you work so small. <laughs> I think I'm
4: just slowly breaking my eyes. I'm Thinking <laughs> of
2: working small, Teresa, they have a baby on the way. They do. There's a Doesn't bun in the very- oven.
1: Baby Muju. Congratulations on baby Muju so far. Thanks very much.
2: Thanks very much. It's
3: a, uh... Yeah, it's only three, week, three weeks away now. So
2: Oh, man. Thanks for joining. You, could you make it happen during the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> this could happen. This will be a ratings bonanza, Teresa. <laughs>
3: We're not live streaming it,
2: Matt. Yeah. <laughs> okay.
4: I'd rather it didn't because we haven't actually packed our hospital bag yet. So let's not wish that that happens. No. Yeah,
3: yeah. A, a few more weeks would be fine. But uh, yeah, we're we're so excited, aren't we? Yeah, super excited. Feel super blessed to uh,
2: hello.
3: have okay. a kid on the way. So yeah.
1: <laughs> that was, was that really your, strange. Is that
0: baby Muju saying <laughs> hello? <laughs> your unborn that, baby.
2: That <laughs> my my six-year-old Lucas has snuck into the room.
3: Uh, hey.
2: <laughs> he usually likes to jump in when Teresa's in here because then he Teresa likes to play this game with him where she. Um how does it work, Teresa? You describe so, No. No,
0: no, no. Lucas so Lucas likes to he used to do it when you had toys up all over your right. whatever casita. But um yeah, Lucas likes to look around the room and find a toy of Gary's and try to describe it to me. But when he describes it, it's very hard for me to guess what it is, but it's like a guessing game. So he'll describe it and I try to figure out what toy he's talking about. But a- he came in at the perfect time. I love how he said hello and we were talking baby talk. <laughs> now i know because of baby muju you're not coming to decon this year right what uh, I, know. <laughs>
4: I know yeah we'd love to but i don't think uh like a two three week old baby is gonna
2: have a lot of fun at decon <laughs> oh will think... be fine they sleep all day <laughs> <They attended
1: it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well yeah. that
3: sounds great if all it does is sleep that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, I think maybe in a couple of years we'll have to have a little family Muji trip over to Decon and you guys can babysit and we'll uh, we'll run the booth.
0: Yeah. I'll, I'll volunteer as tribute.
4: <laughs> yeah. <we'll, laughs> we need some booth buddies, it, we're, we're coming back with baby Muji for sure.
0: Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm glad you all did make it out uh, at least for, what, two shows?
4: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Before yeah. yeah. you had to put Ah, break- oh, it bums me out a little bit because it was so cool to finally – Being that you're in the UK, I know you do ToyCon UK and and stuff like that, but shipping can get a bit pricey and it's hard to get your hands on stuff. So to be able to walk up to a booth of yours and just see all these different sculpts, but also all these kind of just different color palettes. Because you almost do all, I would call, I don't know they're one-offs, but it's just, you'll take different sculpts and some will be in a rainbow or like a blue to purple or whatever. But you can just be able to walk up and see them all and be like oh yes that one and just pick it up and buy it so i do hope you come back either to a five oh, Decon, eventually
4: yeah we will we will we have actually booked it this year we had to cancel once we knew there was a baby muji on the way so we were planning on coming but
3: yeah oh no we we really love designer con it's an awesome show um definitely definitely been a highlight the last couple of years so yeah we definitely want to come back but it uh, could be a couple of years away
4: yeah but like you, like you spotted, we do actually when we're doing a convention, we just love to just bring loads of one-off colorways because it's it's more fun for us in the production, really. yeah, just try and freestyle it and come up with new versions and yeah, so that when you come to the booth there's just a lot of choice there there.
0: yeah. and I love it. Well, and you also have some really cool displays like your you've like these different tree wood tree stands and stuff that you've built to tower all your pieces on.
2: Oh, that tree one's phenomenal.
0: You did all yourselves. Did did yeah. that I
4: say that right? <laughs> <laughs> we get them we get them uh they're designs that we've made, but we get them laser cut in wood by someone else. I basically make them all out of cardboard first is the way I work it out. It's the only way I can do it. I I'm not very good at using Illustrator or Two D stuff. That's Dave's area, but I'm you know, I can build things, so I just kind of make it out of cardboard and then then sort of design the bits in wood afterwards, wants to know how I want it to go. And then, yeah, we just get them laser cut. And it's great for us because we just need to have stuff that's we can flat pack and ship out. So that's kind of, it was just necessity that designed those, really. Why not do a Kickstarter for something like that? Yeah. yeah. A few people have asked us in the past, actually, is it, can, can they buy them? Um, so, yeah, we really should, I think, think
0: about doing uh-huh. that. Solid suggestion, Gary. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah, I've already done all the work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, and they they flat pack ship. They, it sounds ideal. I can see retailers picking up, boutiques and whatnot, you know, as well as the collectors.
1: You can have a level where if you already have your own laser cutter, you just sell the file. Oh,
2: yeah. nice. You
1: Cut your own, oh, yeah. This
2: yeah.
0: is good. Yeah. yeah definitely yeah the tree and you could have like different size trees like a small medium large yeah mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. it i okay. support this
1: can, can you talk about how you guys came to decon last time i thought that was a cool like uh oh
3: the funding we
1: got yeah like out. the whole funding thing like i don't, it might open up people's eyes to like things that are available in where they are to do stuff like yeah. that
4: yeah, I'd just say it's always worth kind of looking into if you've got any local Arts Council funding available um, in, in your area because I honestly didn't think that we could ever get funded to do a trip like that. But, yeah, we just found out about um, something that's – because Cornwall, the county where we live, is a, a particularly kind of – I guess it's very, it's probably like the poorest county in England. There's not a lot of work here. You know, it's it's, it's really beautiful, but it's – um, there's not many jobs and so there's there was funding available for artists in Cornwall basically to just promote your business internationally funnily enough which kind of fitted perfectly with the model of going on a trip to America to show our work to thousands of new fans so yeah we just found out about this funding which was Cornwall Council which was linked with EU funding as well yeah and we just applied and explained what we wanted to do and uh, they approved it. It's just
3: well that's a short story. we had to do a, a heck of a lot of writing proposals and submissions and you know there's a lot of paperwork that's involved in getting any kind of grant funding but um but yeah, it was really good it was really helpful
4: yeah, so basically we got most of our funding or most of our costs covered to do decon last year through this arts council funding so it's always and it's never something that I ever thought we'd ever get approved so yeah check out what's available in your area and see if there's any local arts funding for stuff like that because it was it was brilliant that's mm-hmm. really cool,
0: cool. Yeah. yeah i didn't even know that was a thing
2: It's pretty sweet y'all have any plans to attend any of the asia conventions
4: oh yeah we i mean we'd love to but i think like we nearly we thought about doing um thailand this year but then when i was pregnant and yeah. We, we stopped that idea pretty
2: quick. <laughs> if you go to a China convention, I have a suggestion for you. Okay. Have you heard the episode about the China conventions? And some of the, some of the establishments don't have toilet paper readily available for the attendees.
4: Yeah. yeah so <laughs> so my
2: suggestion is print out a really large version of your tree shelf and toss toilet paper all over it. In the States, that's called tee peeing. So yeah. then people can swing by your booth and tear off a sheet. Oh,
4: all the Westerners would love that. that would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do some more Asia conventions. It's just mm-hmm. like the logistics of doing something like that. You know, I think it helps if you do it with company that's out there. Maybe I've listened to a few of the podcasts. Where, <laughs> like, say Andy Bolton's talking about even just payment can be an issue, yeah. and they sound like more involved to to organize.
3: But it'd be a lot of fun, wouldn't it? We've yeah. we've travelled a lot in the past. Um, we've travelled to Thailand a few times and Bali and other places in Asia and. Yeah, I really love visiting Asia and the different cities and uh, and meeting the people there. I think those conventions could be a lot of fun to do, maybe in the future.
0: Yeah. Man. I'm enjoying looking through your feeds. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just having fun perusing. Well, I've, I was looking at, like, I know when you all do, like, the paint applications, I think the majority of it's airbrushing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if, is that all you, Katie? no it's both of us definitely okay so you shared that task yeah Yeah. now i know you've done a bunch with like clears and glitters and glow in the dark but have you ever tried expanding like i know we've seen stuff with uv reactive and some people will get into scented toys do you have any desire to to explore other things
4: i don't know we've done like um done some glow-in-the-dark stuff before um, yeah. actually a piece i'm just sort of finishing at the moment has got some just, i've used some sort of fluorescent paints uh just for tiny details it's like really stand out under black light just as a little okay. extra fun addition to that it's like a little sculpted scene i've done which i'll hopefully get finished and start posting in the next few weeks but yeah so i'm you know i'm always up for
2: experimenting with new things so yeah. Last week's episode, we had a brief little conversation talking about what's handmade, what qualifies as a handmade toy. George, you were sort of talking about this is a, a discussion you wanted to revisit. Do we want to do that with the muju's?
1: Uh, I mean, we don't want We don't need to put a guest on the spot about calling out handmade and not handmade, but it could. It's up to you. I mean, it's up to them. I guess. Do you guys want to talk about handmade versus?
0: yeah
1: don't mind castings and things like that yeah
0: what did you you want to dig back into george um
1: i don't remember off the top of my head hold on uh (laughs) this was like a week ago how am i supposed to remember things like this we we left it up in the air i'd like to know what people thought online about what we were saying did we even come up with a conclusion of handmade versus what we were talking about like like uh, did, did, I, was, it, was everyone in agreement on our show? Even like what? Like cause I know you were saying like a three D print is not a handmade thing, and because it involves machines. And
2: well, I think what it comes <laughs> down to is our industry is somewhat kind of being loose with the terminology used for handmade. I think what people are really trying to say is it's self made.
0: Yeah, it's almost like two, it's almost like two things, George. There was the whole. there's the fact that people use handmade to mean something other than the true definition of handmade. So I think at the end of it, I mean, when you presented that whole, like if I do something in clay versus do something in 3d and hand both of you, both of them to use one is handmade, like if you think about the true definition of handmade, then yes, the clay one was handmade. But um, we had talked a lot about, we got into that Foxpresso by Carmia toys And I didn't actually realize until you shared it, but I was looking at Carmia Toys on Instagram. I didn't realize they were Pixel Buddha, which if you go to the Pixel Buddha account, they've done a ton of work, way more than the ones we talked about on the show. But they actually hopped in our discussion and kind of talked through, you know, all the work that goes behind the 3D stuff. And that's what I was trying to kind of get to is that I understand that doing something digitally in 3D is not actually working with your hands. But there is so much work that goes into it. And so it's more just trying to, I guess, represent that. And maybe we don't call it handmade, but I just don't want people to think that there's less artistry going behind 3D stuff than clay stuff per se. I think there's artistry behind both, but it's just different ways to do it.
1: Yeah, I think that was part of, I was afraid the conversation was going to where if we said something was handmade versus not handmade, just because a computer was involved, it's... I didn't want it to feel like we were taking away or like negating any of the work that's involved in it. Um, But I think by definition of handmade, I don't think once you, I mean, like Gary was saying with a print, like once it's a print, you can draw it on a tablet all you want. It's still not an original drawing. Right. When you have a print involved, like, so if you're, if you're going to hand make, a drawing it has to be on paper with a, with a pencil or you know marker or thing you know <laughs> yeah. some kind of implement that you're holding it can't be done on a tablet that's just part of technology it's no longer handmade it's tech it has technology involved
0: yeah so i think from if we talk about handmade as a word in the true definition things like a digital drawing or 3d or whatever are probably not technically handmade but that's again where i think when it goes to describing your work, there's still a lot of value to the digital aspects of our scene. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not right to call it handmade, maybe it's self-produced, I don't know. What do you all think, Mujus? Some really good points. I think that there just needs to be a new term for the new
4: era that we're in, you know? So handmade is, to me, always gonna be someone who's using their hands to draw or sculpt thing out of materials. But there's still just as much skill involved in the person that's got their own design that they've come up with and they've spent hours making that happen digitally in ZBrush. I think that's still an artist creating their own sculpt. I just think it needs to have a different term that's just as meaningful, but just describes it differently, maybe.
0: Yeah, and I mean, uh, I keep on saying Mr. Muju. Um, Dave, I know you, like... You kind of bounce between the two, right? So when you think about a lot of your two D yeah. work, I know I've seen you do stuff, um, you know, with graphite or actual ink, pen to paper sort of thing. But I know you do digital stuff as well. I mean, do you feel like there's a difference between the two? Is one more handmade than another when you're doing those different things?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I've, I mean, I always used to draw black and white ink on paper and and kind of that was my thing, you know, um, I was always like, yeah, analog tools, pencil. Um, even when I was inking, I used to use like an old school dip pen and a bottle of ink, you know, I, I used to really like those, those tools and I still do. But in the last couple of years, I've started drawing more digitally on like Cintiq or on an iPad Pro and It's interesting. If I think about the comic book, I did all the storyboarding and all the initial sketching out in pencil. I could have done it digitally, but I just enjoyed doing it all in pencil. And then to actually finish the book, I've switched into digital to do um, uh, some of the ink and all the color and and that kind of stuff. So um, I think if you you sort of have a start using analog tools, then – you're going to transition into using digital tools with probably like a high degree of skill. You know?
1: So here's a the question then if you um, like, let's say you were going to sell a drawing mm-hmm. and you had, you had your original, you know, done with ink on paper drawing that you had your handmade drawing yep. and then you had another drawing that you did. You spent the same amount of time, the same amount of work goes in, into it that you did on your Cintiq mm-hmm. and then you print it and, you know, sign it can you say that both are hand-drawn or is the one like one is a print right like it's still well, yeah. yeah i think
3: well you're kind of getting into like the original drawing is an actual original object so that would be i mean yeah so in a sense like my hand would be doing the same thing more or less but with the with the uh actual pen and ink yeah, what i'm making is is an original drawing and that's an original artwork of which there is no other copy. Um, so that has a kind of a value that I would say is, you know, for me personally at this moment, I say that original drawing on paper has more value than, you know, to, if I was going to put it for sale or something, I would have that at a higher price than I would a print.
1: So now and that's kind of the same with, 3d with 3d sculpting so there's you have a zbrush file that is like that cintiq drawing mm-hmm. where it's the same technique that goes into it the same amount of time and effort that goes into making this thing but now you have a button that you can just press and print so, so now you- a print so a, a 3d print is basically just like a you know like a 2d print and it has it's intrinsically less value Valuable. that yeah. to me than making something by hand which is then cast and recreated that way and it's it sucks because it shouldn't be but it is i mean it's a it's a it's the computer it's a machine recreating your original thing which is the same as prints are and that's the nice thing about a print is you can get you know a cheaper version of someone's painting you know or or something like that and that's kind of what the 3d printing is is you can get a cheap you should be getting a cheaper version of someone's original work
3: yeah because there can be more copies of it yeah Uh, and yeah, I mean, for, for example, I, I sold an original ink drawing the other week, and I it was one of those where I I I just used the same postal service that I always used, and it got it disappeared in the post for a day, and I was panicking. I was like, oh no, because it was an original, super complex ink drawing which I could not replicate.
1: Yeah,
3: you know? and I had an archive scan of it, but but the print would if I printed out you know a copy of it that would not be the same as that original drawing the drawing did end up uh getting delivered okay so i didn't have a heart attack over it but it just, <laughs> that's an example of like yeah that was you know mm. when it went missing i was like oh no i cannot reproduce that there was just you know i spent weeks on that piece of work i'm not gonna i'm not gonna redraw it and yeah so so yeah the original if there's only one of it then obviously i think to me that has a much higher value than um, than a copy, but, but that's just my opinion.
0: It, it's it's hard because I just I don't like I just don't want people to devalue just because it is a print doesn't mean there was not work put into it and I think that was the main point I was trying to make. But I think at the end of the day, everything you are saying is valid and that that while it the ones that were done digitally were were done by hand, but not technically handmade in the sense of pen to paper ones so it's it's just tricky it's especially tricky when you blend the worlds because like you saying you start on paper and you know sketch it by hand and then you might scan it in and touch it up digitally to finalize I mean things just get so tricky with the way that whether it's 2d or 3d I think people are really starting to blend the worlds between the physical pen to paper clay whatever and then jumping into digital. And then they might jump back into non-digital, right?
2: Uh-huh. Where,
0: you know, they might they might make clay. And then they scan it in. And then they get a print. But then they want to refine that print. And then they mold it. It's just like there's... it's We delve between the lines, I think, in our scene. And that's where things get muddy when people say, well, handmade. Because they're like, I did this all on my own. But I think that's where the terminology we use probably needs to change and we don't call it handmade per se anymore. It's either self-produced or something else to help explain that I, Teresa, or you, you know, George or whatever, you sat down and you did this thing all on your own, whether you use digital or not, you made it happen. Yeah.
1: Well, seeing as the scene that we're in can't even decide on a name for itself that it's <laughs> on, I don't think we're going to be solving this handmade dilemma anytime soon. What was there anything else from the, um, from last week that you wanted to touch on that we didn't that we needed to go back over or apologize for.
0: I will say I I know I said I tried to bring this the spice the hot sauce but apparently uh, based on feedback I failed so uh, I tried.
2: In your defense, though, I did cut out several of your more spicier moments. Well, it like wasn't guilty. very spicy I mean. anyway.
0: I get guilt. I have like the I think my Catholic upbringing gives me Catholic guilt even though I'm not really. Catholic, I think I just feel bad. Like it's like one of those times where you say something and then you instantly regret it, even though you all probably would hear it and think that really wasn't even that bad in the first place. But to me, it'd be me saying like being critical. Like if I were to say like I don't really like that, I'm like oh I shouldn't have said that. It's okay. It's it's still good. Like I like it in some ways. So I just it's very hard.
2: Hey, you tried. You you you're not a hot sauce. It's not who you are. You're you're the. The condiment that's easier to swallow. You, you, know, you don't want to leave that lingering burn and hurt someone, you know? Yeah. More like
0: ketchup. That's oh, freaking, freaking <laughs> calling me ketchup. I'm not even up into any kind of spice. I'm not even mild salsa. I nope. tried. But yeah, I don't know if there was anything else.
2: Well, I, I don't even know what this is, but I'm looking at your notes. Something about girls in bikinis doing toy reviews. Oh What's my this about? God.
0: Oh, okay. Toy Chronicle actually shared it. Someone started a YouTube account where it's a girl in a bikini reviewing toys, and it's beyond absurd. Like, what has our scene come to? Why is this now a thing?
2: Why, of all things, do you not include a link with this note? <laughs> this is I, the one actually, thing I actually want to see. That's the one that
1: made me download the Toy Chronicle app this morning.
2: Because <laughs> oh, I wanted to know God. what you talked
1: about. So... I, I, it's it's funny they made somebody made just what she said it's a girl reviewing it, opening a toy basically um it's unwatchable like it's the it's it's the most boring girl in a bikini thing you've ever seen it's yeah, a, you're, I don't know probably, why it
0: you're probably all oh it's gonna be sexy meh, meh meh but obviously as a girl i'm like just rolling my eyes like whatever but and of course, you all are like, who? What about guys
2: and boxers doing toy reviews? Would that not interest you? It's just at I mean, the sound have, of it.
0: They'd have to be attractive. With, How about you know, firemen opening
2: thing? toys? There you go. Fire, Fireman <laughs> unboxing.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, I mean, okay, sure.
1: But seriously, okay. like, I, like I'm, I'm obviously the target demo for that girls like girls in bikinis opening toys, right? Like, yeah. this I'm supposed to be the one that wants to watch that. It was the most boring thing I've ever seen. It was a terrible video. The girl's sitting on a couch covered in a pillow. She's obviously uncomfortable being there. It's it was it's awful. It's I don't I don't get it. Maybe it'll go somewhere and someone will do something fun with it. But that one video I clicked the link through from Toy Chronicle was boring. Hmm. I didn't even watch the video.
2: Muju ever thought about doing pregnant woman in bikini? <laughs>
4: opening up toys <laughs> doing a toy
2: review yeah uh, no I
4: think there's a, really a target market for
2: that it's, it's, it's a niche market but it could happen <laughs> might introduce one or two new fellows to the toy scene <laughs> yeah that's
4: true yeah I'm not really looking my best at the moment I can't really imagine sitting here in a bikini <laughs> no, hard
0: not. pass I <laughs> one who when i do like random lives on instagram i like shadily prop up my phone on a thing a goldfish, and i'm sitting here in like pjs it's just not <laughs> it's just not for me but i don't know i'll park to it
2: well anything else that we didn't cover with you all that you want to touch base on any fun stories that you think that we didn't cover
1: i want to i want to before we go uh, give a shout-out to um, the Art Hustle Trading Cards, because that's how I found out about the Muju's. Oh,
0: wow. Oh, cool. No way. Wait, is, what I, is that? That was years
1: ago, right? I think, yeah, you guys were in Series 2, so that would have been 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, June 2011. That's how I first heard about the Muju's.
4: <laughs> wow, that's so funny. That was such a kind of random thing to do, and I didn't really think it had any real impact, so... To know that you found us through that is really cool. <laughs> Were you in that series as well, George?
1: Uh yeah, I was. I was I got to I because uh, Dove from DKE is the one his friend is the one that was uh, making the whole thing. So uh-huh. they put us they put us in for Toy Break. Nice.
2: I was in series Wait. two as well.
0: Oh what? Yeah. Y'all, I feel like you were talking about some insider thing. What what are we talking about? Like collector's cards for designer toy artists?
1: Yeah, there was three series. It was called it's called the Art Hustle. You can just go to thearthustle.com. Um they have like all the the rosters up for each series, the checklists and all that. Yeah, it was it was an entire trading card series. There were art cards and there were artist cards. So like sometimes it was a picture of the artist, sometimes it was a picture of the artist's art. Um, there were hand-drawn cards in packs, so like you had a chance to get hand-drawn cards. You had a chance to get autograph cards. Like it was really cool.
0: You know, I think I've seen, and I know, well, I think I've seen Ryan X where he's like sitting in a lake or something.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: <it makes laughs> right. Is he like simply sitting in water, like peeking out?
1: Yeah, like a boat in the water or something like that, or something. Yeah, there's something. Or yeah, him in the water. Yeah, that, that was. I think that was his card, his artist card.
0: Man, so who's, who did this?
1: It was a company called The Art Hustle. They, they started the whole thing.
0: Huh. That's crazy that that's how you found them.
2: It was actually a good way to discover new artists because the rosters for these series, Teresa, they were probably about 100 artists deep. So on the backside of their main card was their bios and websites and some questions. And then they had other cards that George mentioned showcase their artwork or toys they have done. So, yeah, it was a really nice way to discover new artists.
4: I think that was the best part of being in it, is you got to get a complete set of all of the artists that were in that series, didn't you? So you got a full set of trading cards. That was Mm. cool. I think we've still got our artist-proof cards somewhere in the studio. I was just
3: thinking, I'm sure I saw a box of those on the shelf the other day. (laughs) And I was thinking, what are we going to do with
1: those? (laughs) Sell them. Kickstarter reward.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually,
4: we should I, maybe I think do, they did do, say we should just take them to Decon and just like you do know do a giveaway or give, something. Give them or away
1: with
3: like maybe we'll put them in some mystery orders or something. Yeah.
4: Okay.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and those are cool because the artist proofs all had a gold foil stamp on them. Those were That's special; right. they couldn't only get them from the artist.
3: Yeah. yeah, and they're really nice quality. I remember the printing was really good, nice fit cards, and
1: yeah, all made at the same the same guy that does all the um, like the Buff Monster. Cars, the Melty Misfit cards and all that. And uh-huh. he's been doing a lot of Kickstarter. Anybody that's doing trading cards on Kickstarter, a lot of people use this guy too. It's Tom in
2: Vermont. Sidekick Labs. That was a good last minute bring up, George. Right? It was a nice little unexpected back in the day segment. I know. I like that. <laughs> There's always Where
1: something was- I'm talking about that Teresa has no idea what it is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but I like that you all bring it up because mm-hmm. How am I to know if I don't know? So I like it when you bring up things that like this. It's cool. I like it. I was So, Gary, I was going to bring up one more thing. I know we were talking a little bit about how you all – like I know you mentioned it when you're making your Kickstarter videos that you'll go out and, and try to shoot stuff. But um, And you mentioned that you're into photography. But I just have to say I think one thing that you all are really good at is taking promotional photos of your pieces in all these like really pretty settings, whether it's in the woods or at the ocean or whatever, but we may have touched on it before in previous episodes, but to me promotional photos can really play a strong role in helping sell your pieces. And I just think you all do a really, really good job of that.
3: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we we just really love taking photographs of, of anything really, but the toys especially. I think we're always trying to create like a, a sense of a sort of like cinematic moment or something, you know, like you're trying to tell a story or find an environment which helps kind of tell the story of a character a bit. But yeah, it's it's super fun crawling around in the dirt, you know.
4: It's kind of our favourite bit. I don't know. Yeah. when you've got the piece finished and you can just get out there and find the right little spot for it to bring it to life. We're yeah. sort of both big camera, camera geeks, aren't we? Have yeah. been for forever. We were both really into photography before we were even doing Muji stuff. So it's like our side passion, so.
3: But it's really satisfying to get, it's almost like once you, like Kate said, you'll finish the sculpture or a new piece, but until you've got that really great photo, it doesn't really feel like you've fully finished. You know, that's like the last piece of the puzzle to um, share it with the world. And especially nowadays, you know, social media is so important to share your work. You know, the photograph is actually key part of the job, really.
4: We enjoy it, but sometimes it can really hold stuff up because I've got a piece that I finished maybe about a month ago, but I'm not sharing it yet because we haven't managed to get the right photo of it. So I'm not going to put it out in the world or sell it till like, i manage managed to Get go the photo. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I want it to be in water. How are we going to do that? So I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to take, but it does quite often delay us, like, releasing things.
3: And actually maybe, like, one little sort of, um, like, sneak idea we could maybe share regarding the photographs. I
4: don't actually know what he's gonna say.
3: <laughs> well we were, we are actually
4: <laughs> my brain's gone down. because it
3: because we've been doing this for so many years we we're actually like going through all the photographs back from when Kate did Felt stuff.
4: Oh right, yeah um,
3: to to now and we realise we've got so many photographs in our archive of of Muju figures in, you know, felt and resin and whatever we thought maybe next year we might compile them together and do a little book which just shows you know the work we've done to date and compiles all those photographs into one place so, oh, that'd yeah. be really cool yes. that'd be a fun book Thanks.
1: yeah make sure there's little like al jaffe like muju world illustrations around the borders and stuff
4: yeah
1: oh yeah yeah that'd be nice yeah, yeah definitely
4: <laughs> <good>.
3: yeah
1: <laughs> okay that's a Whole episode right there. I don't even know if that's all going to make it in. But.
2: Yeah, it's a lot. We didn't even get to do leaks and sneak peeks with Muju's. Like Mujus, did you bring a leak and sneak peek? Maybe we all won't do ours, but do you want to do one for yourselves?
1: Um,
4: like the only leak that I had that I was going to mention, which is for New York Comic Con, so maybe that's relevant. Ah. Yeah. Is um, and also involves Martian Toys, uh, is that there's the uh, Megatech Custom Show that Martian Toys are going to be holding this year at okay. their booth and um yeah so loads of artists are just starting to leak their custom pieces of the uh quicks megatech guy yeah but one that i saw this week that i really loved was muffin man's custom yes. Um so yeah you've got to check out muffin man sculpts instagram to see his his piece that he's done for this show it's just yeah i think he's called the fashion knight but um check it out he's like t- taken the the front piece of the quick the kind of iconic quicks character and turned it into a helmet that's pushed back and there's a cat underneath and the sculpting on it is just beautiful it's really awesome
1: who's this muffin man
4: i like this
2: stuff this is cool He's stuff's oh, phenomenal wow
0: I'm trying to get him on. I wanted to try to get him on with Dolly Oblong because they collaborate on all the Dolly stuff, but Dolly is impossible to get. Mm. The Muffin so Man I'll-
4: does the uh, sculpting and production on the Dolly Oblong pieces. And yeah, uh, yeah and he's he's always at ToyCon every year with some of his like handmade stuff. But he's he's an amazing sculptor, but he's also his production
0: uh, levels are just unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah the oh.
1: stuff looks really nice.
4: Yeah. All of
0: his, he does everything in resin, but it all looks production, like factory.
4: George, you got to check out. He does these little robins, um, and then if you look on his feed, you'll see some like clear versions of it. He calls them sophobi because they're resin, but they're hollow resin, clear. So Rotor-cast. it's like, yeah, rotocast resin. So it's like fake saphobi. Wow. Um, we've got a couple of those, and they are like, they're just amazing. They just feel they're really light. They're really beautifully done and and it's like a real labor of love because I think he says that more than half of them don't work out because of the air bubbles <laughs> and stuff you know they're always like little runs of ten or something because 20 of them ended up in the bin and uh, yeah he's he's a real master
2: when it comes to resin casting
1: yeah, yeah. Really
2: cool. I hate this, but we are almost at an hour and a half our time is up with you so mujus. Thank you so much for joining us and taking the time out of your day to, to talk to us for an hour and a half. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We had a great time. I, we won't be seeing you at Decon, but best of luck with the, the birth of your new boy girl. Do we know? We
3: don't know. It's a blind box.
2: Exciting. <laughs> best blind box ever. So I hope <laughs> yeah. that goes well. Congratulations on that. But why don't each of you take a brief moment, let our listeners know where they can find you.
4: Okay. Um, you probably find me mostly on Instagram. I'm um, Miss... Miss Mooju spelled Miss underscore Muju on Instagram. Uh,
3: and I'm Mr. Underscore Muju on Instagram. And you can find our online store and our whole website at MoojuWorld.com.
2: Teresa. Yep,
0: check me out in on Instagram, TMH24.
1: George. I am at double G Toys on Instagram. And don't forget the Kickstarter for the Muju's is up right now. And you can find it. Simply search Mooju on kickstarter
2: and it comes right up okay and i am gary ham you can find me at gary ham on instagram or superham.com this is in the Marsham toy hour we're trying to do this every week not because we have to
0: but because
2: we want to so until next transmission we're signing off bye 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 now teresa sends me a dm that you don't know what i'm talking about
0: no like what are you i don't what are you talking about this mini? Why do we not keep the handmade stuff
2: in that episode? Because we're Why in not- an hour and 55 minutes. I have 20 minutes to cut out.
0: Yeah, cut out, the random, cut out the random TTC forum thing. That doesn't need to be in there.
2: Easy for you guys to say. Trying to find 20 minutes, that's not easy. Like All those little nonsense things are very small little clips. Like We might have to lose the whole hand, uh, hand thing.
0: Yeah, but we got into all of Mr. Muju's stuff. His process.
2: Right, and that's that was a great discussion. So that's why I want to split this into the Muju episode and then do a bonus that we'll release on Wednesday or Friday. That way we don't lose that, because otherwise I don't have to cut it for this episode. Right, and instead well.
1: of wasting it, he's saying, let's put it on a Friday chunk.
2: Right. So there's, here's what needs to happen. Either we need to buy by the clock and make editing easier for myself.
1: <laughs> which isn't going to happen. <laughs> which ne- ne- never, which,
2: which never happens, right. <laughs> So, Teresa, what I'm saying is we just keep this episode Muju, and then that's Monday's episode. Come Wednesday or Friday, I'll put out another, say, 30-minute episode where it's Muju joining us to do only Toy Talk.
0: But are we going to do this as a new pattern going forward, or is this just a random one?
2: If you all keep going over the hour and a half that we have for an episode, (laughs) it's probably likely going to happen because we are losing a lot of good stuff to the... To the longer discussions that we're having.
0: Sorry, Mujis, you're hearing like the weird behind the scenes. Whatever. We we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) Half the conversation. I guess I'm just confused because now you're gonna have. You really want to start editing two episodes a week? Do I want to know?
2: Hey, I'm just trying to get the the best material out there. So, Mujis, what
1: you don't know is we usually have. We usually talk for an hour and a half to two hours. Yeah. But generally, in the middle of our conversations. Veers off into talking about our cats or our dogs or our, you know, things that are going on in that, in, you know, with us personally. And Gary has an easy time finding a half hour to cut out because we're generally rambling about nonsense. But right. this time, we kind of stayed on topic for most of that whole entire two hours.
0: Do you want to take the previous episode, digest stuff, handmade stuff, and make it separate? So is there more you wanted to talk about there?
1: No, we Before? just need to set up a, a set up an intro to it right i say intro and outro to it
2: yeah essentially but we
1: have other topics to talk about too do you want to hit stop and then re-record so that it's not a possibility that goes too long or anything let me do that now here we
0: go how are you introing this we i mean we just to make it a real intro so we could just be like i don't know what do you want to do
2: We'll just keep it simple. Say what it is. Hey, we talked too long this week, so what we're gonna do is split this into two episodes. Last uh, on Monday, you heard the Moojus. Today, you're gonna get a little bit of taste of toy talk with the Moojus. We'll talk about a couple things going around the scene. So, joining us is myself, Teresa, George, and the Moojus. Let's get talking. I hope hey, you recorded you record that. that? What, Teresa? Did you record that? We're good. We're rolling.
0: Oh well then we're done, so peace. This was fun. Bye guys. <laughs>
4: <laughs> and there you the go. Outro. <laughs> there's your outro.